What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Tuesday edition of The Yard, the, the New Year's Eve edition. It's been a, an interesting year in Mississippi State, 2019. I uh, can't say we closed it out on a strong note on the football field front. We're going to talk a lot about that. Here, here's what we're not going to do today. We're not, we're not going to have a pity party. We're not, we're not going to do that. But I am going to give you a very accurate, a very earnest, and a very honest assessment of where we are as a football program, the changes that I believe need to be made immediately, not nine months from now, not 12 months from now, now, uh, very frustrated like many of you are. And uh, I'm, I'm going to get into detail about much of that today. I, I'm one of those people, too, I, I've said many times on this show, I am for Mississippi State, and I am for everybody else that is for Mississippi State, and I support every coach as long as they are employed at Mississippi State. That doesn't mean that I can't be critical of the coaches at Mississippi State, or the administrators at Mississippi State, or the president at Mississippi State, or the cheese store at Mississippi State, or whatever. You can do both. You can be a supporter and still be somewhat critical. I think that's part of the deal. I think that's part of the accountability piece. Now, all the Facebook posts in the world aren't going to change anything. But it is a good barometer of the pulse of our fan base. And nobody right now is happy with the direction of the Mississippi State football program. Nobody. There's no way to sugarcoat it. There's no way to feel good about it. We have had a losing season. We have had a losing season. One of the things that I, and, and for some people, this is a difficult concept to grasp, but I'm not quite sure why. Maybe some of you that can explain it to those that have struggled with it. The minimum standard at Mississippi State, because of the fact we have elevated the football program to a point where the expectations now exceed what we used to have. When I, when I was doing my research for Stark Villains, and I spoke to many of the older silver-haired type dogs, I mean, you know, for them, they didn't expect to go to bowl games. And so their biggest goal every year was to simply beat Ole Miss. Well, that's not who we are anymore. 
yes, we still want to beat Ole Miss. And I believe the minimum standard, the minimum standard, the absolute floor for Mississippi State is winning the Golden Egg and getting to a bowl game. That is the minimum standard. That's not the goal. That's the minimum standard. I believe in an average year, we ought to be a solid bowl team. But our goal should always be to win the Southeastern Conference Championship. Now, some of you kind of snicker when you say that. We haven't won an SEC championship since 1941. And we fired the coach who won it. We haven't been to Atlanta but one time. That was in 1998. We should have won the ball game. We didn't. Lost to eventual national champion Tennessee. We had an opportunity to get back there in 2014. Dak had arguably his worst game as a Bulldog in Tuscaloosa that year. We go to Ole Miss still with a chance to sneak into the FBS playoffs. It's going to be difficult, but we had an opportunity. But we remove all doubt when, uh, for some reason, we just we couldn't cover the tight end at Ole Miss. We let a one-legged quarterback beat us. But those are the years we remember. 2014, we go to number one. 1998, we win the West. 1999, we were top-10 team. Those are the years that we dream of. I don't believe we're that far away from that, but there has to be some change. I believe we have enough talent on this roster to be better than a six-win team, better than a seven-win team, better than an eight-win team. We're not getting the value out of our roster. I'm going to break down the game. We're going to talk a little basketball, and I'm going to talk about what I think needs to happen. It may surprise some of you. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Great friends, great sponsors, great friends of the show. Love going in there. Matter of fact, I will celebrate my new year with a hamburger here uh, in the next day or so. One of the things I love most about living in Starkville is the, the local restaurants we have. And you're not going to find a better restaurant quality hamburger in, in the, the state of Mississippi than Bulldog Burger Company. If you just want the straight ahead, you know, Steve, no frills, just give me the beef. You got to go with the Bulldog Burger. If you don't want that, if you want to, if you want to step on the wild side a little bit, let me encourage you to get the Pimentology, get the Mission, maybe get the Pico de Gallo on the side so you can control the distribution. You find your own favorites. I love going in there. Great people, great food, great prices, great service. Bulldog Burger Company now with two locations to serve you, one in Starkville on University, now in Tupelo on Gloucester Street. Bulldog Burger Company to place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, so let's go ahead and get right to it. The uh, Mississippi State, a very bad loss yesterday, a, a, a really bad loss. And it really felt like early in the ball game that uh, the offensive line was kind of imposing their will a little bit. Louisville was on their heels a little bit. And, and listen, you know, they, they had a big opening drive. We made a big play there. But uh, up 14 nothing with the ball, we couldn't put them away. And uh, they didn't quit to their credit. And it, it seemed to me that in that third quarter, we had absolutely no juice whatsoever. And they, I listened, I was in the, cutting up pictures there in the media room as Louisville came out of the locker room for the second half. And I'll be honest with you, I was nervous. I mean, just hearing them take the field, they were so confident about their prospects of winning the ball game, despite the fact that they were down 14 nothing in battle back, and, and we really gifted them 10 points there in the final uh, couple minutes of the second quarter. But they took the field in that second half, Loaded for bear. Let's jump into it, run through it here. Okay, so obviously, you know, Mississippi State loses a toss. I think we've won one toss the entire year. One. It's been that kind of year. 
We go out there. The very first play of the game, Colin Hill rushes for a loss of two yards and gets injured. Now, the the field was not in great shape. I don't know that they even worked hard to get it ready, to be honest with you. I mean, it, there was so much water outside the numbers and then in the back of the end zones. It, it, the field was really in bad shape, and I think that it contributed some to both teams. I'm not trying to say Mississippi State was at a disadvantage because of that. It was not a great turf for either team. Darrell Williams, as you guys know, slipped and fell and uh, was in obvious pain, came back and worked through it, tried to help Mississippi State get a win. Lee Witherspoon comes in, rushes for a loss. Everybody says, well, Steve, where was Nick Gibson? Nick Gibson suspended for the first quarter of the ballgame for an undisclosed rules violation. Tommy Stevenson runs for nine yards, nearly makes a tackle there, makes a play there. But then we end up punt. We get a great punt from Tucker Day down to the three-yard line. And you're thinking, okay, well, yeah, hey, okay, listen. We didn't win the toss, but we've got them backed up. We didn't get a first down, but we've got them pinned inside the 10. Let's go get win the game of field position here. Let's go make a play defensively, get the ball back around midfield. Maybe we can get an early lead. Well, that's not what happened. They come right out, and they ran the football, and we expect them to throw a little bit. They came out and established the run. The very first, you know, Cunningham goes for nine yards. Then they convert a first down with Hawkins. I told you guys, Hawkins, number 10, really tough on the edges. Not so much an in-between-the-tackles runner. Great guy on the edges. And, again, you guys probably saw some of the things we talked about on the show on Friday. They've got some offensive pieces that are really scary. I mean, when you begin to think about what these guys are going to be as juniors and seniors, you can see why Louisville fans are very excited about Scott Satterfield because he knows how to utilize that talent. Cunningham then complete to Adwell, and, and that's the thing. Very first three plays of the game offensively. Cunningham, we knew what a star he was. Hawkins, their leading rusher. Adwell, leading receiver. All three of their superstars touched the ball first three plays of the game. They're already out to the 29. Hawkins then goes for 16. Adwell runs for nine. Complete to Davis for 22, and all of a sudden, they are rolling. We're in trouble. We get them for a loss. Fable Love with a big play there. They swing it out. Willie Gay forces the fumble, and Tim Washington recovers the football. I have read many people say, well, you know, Steve, they should have scored the first drive. Well, they didn't. They didn't because forcing turnovers is part of the game of football. And, yes, we can say, well, if they score there and they do this, you know, if and buts and, you know, you know how that works out. But the bottom line is Mississippi State made the play to get off the field. Willie Gay, I thought, was very, very active in the ball game. made that big play early. And it kind of felt like, okay, we, we've survived their big punch here. Let's go make a play. We do. Uh, Tommy Stevens rushes for two. We're incomplete to Gidry. And then Tommy gets loose and runs for 24 yards. And it was really one of those things, too, where uh, I thought he was a lot more decisive running the football because I think we knew they were going to be somewhat susceptible to the quarterback run. He gets flushed, takes advantage of that big, big run there. Got us, at least in a situation if we had to punt, we'd have them uh, on their side of the field. But then Tommy runs for 16 more. Then Witherspoon runs for 11. And again, Collins hurt. Nick is suspended. Tommy Stevens then completed Javante Payton for 27. Thought Javante Payton had one of his best games in the uniform. The, the fumble was standing. Goes down, makes a good catch there. And then at that point, you're thinking, okay, we're going to get points here. Peyton goes for uh, a loss of four there. Didn't really like the play call that much, but it's part of the deal. There's a face mask call. Next thing you know, we're, we're 
deep inside the red zone. Witherspoon for six. Tommy Stevens goes in for three. Seven, nothing. So they have punched. We punch back. We've got the lead. Now you need the defense to go make a stop. And that's exactly what happened. Hawkins rushes for a loss of three. We get them off schedule. And they run for seven, incomplete to Adwell, and they punt three and out. So you get the lead. You get the three and out. Now you're going to get the ball back. We go out there. Colin Hill's back in the ballgame trying to go. And he had already gone back to the locker room and was retaped, came back, tried to give it a go. Then Tommy Stevens is sacked for five yards. Then Tommy Stevens runs for four. And then we get a 55-yard punt out of Tucker Day. Tucker having a career-type day. Now, again, we're thinking, all right, we've got them back. We've still got a lead. we got to get back on, on the field offensively. Cunningham complete to Atwell for 19, and we knew Atwell was going to go off. We knew we had to make somebody else beat you. We didn't have anybody that could run with him. Hall runs for six. The quarter is over. Then they're incomplete to Atwell, and then they rush for a loss of one yards, and then a 53-yard punt. 53-yard <laughs> punt. We get touchback. But here's the deal. We're into the second quarter. We've won the first quarter. Prior to yesterday, Mississippi State 6-0 and when winning the first quarter. We've won the first quarter. I tweeted that out. I think we all feel like, okay, we're all right. We're not great. We're not bad. We're all right. Tommy Stevens then completed Stephen Gidry, who I thought had his best game as a Bulldog. Fumbles the ball out of bounds. We get a first down. It's second quarter, so Nick Gibson's now available. Nick runs for six. Nick runs for 15. Now all of a sudden you're thinking, all right, all right, here we go. Got a situation here. Nick Gibson is fresh. Cowan's banged up. But we're not going to have to depend on the freshman too much because we've got a guy like Nick Gibson that's running hard. Incomplete, incomplete. And then Tommy goes for 11 yards for a first down. Again, that's Tommy on third down play, making you know moving the chains with his feet. Nick goes for a loss of one. There's a personal foul penalty. Get a first down. This is this was the kicking situation. To me, it looked like Jaquarius Bobby was kind of doing some ankle twisting there. I might be completely wrong, but that's how it looked from my vantage point. And then uh, the kid starts kicking at him, and he gets ejected. My my honest opinion, I thought it deserved a flag. I'm not sure if it deserved an ejection. I think you can uh, argue either way. Certainly, you're going to call a flag there. Nick Gibson and runs for 19 yards. Witherspoon for one, Gibson for three. It's a touchdown. And again, that was a real statement drive for the Mississippi State offensive line. And you go back and you run, th run the numbers here, and you can see every bit of that is on the ground except for that pass to Stephen Gidry. Every bit of that. We just lined up, ran the football. We knew we were going to be able to run the football. We expected to be able to gash them with a quarterback run. We did. It's 14 nothing, and I think everybody that loves Mississippi State at this point said, you know what? We're in good shape. We're in good shape. Offensive line is working well. It's 14 nothing. We're doing good. Well, then, then Louisville mounts a bit of a drive here, and that's when they hit us on the trick play. We kick off. They get out to 25, and then it's complete to Fitzpatrick for 13. They run for six, and then Cunningham runs for 11, runs for nine. Quarterback runs really gave us some trouble all day. We had trouble with outside contain. Complete to four. This is the trick play. It's the second one play, and you know everybody's selling out to stop the run. I had a better chance of catching Marshawn Ford than anybody dressed in maroon and white. There was no nobody. There's not a defender anywhere. All we could hope for is that he would drop the football. He didn't. And they kick off, and uh, we fumbled the kickoff. 
Javante Payton fumbles it. And, and the thing about that was, too, it seemed like he had a bit of a seam there and he was just about to break loose. But once again, special teams rears its ugly head. Fumble the football. They get it. Defense goes right back out there. Defense able to keep them out of the end zone. Didn't give up a single play there. They go for it on fourth and 11. Uh, ball's incomplete. We get the ball. Offense takes back over. So now you're thinking, okay, it's 14-7. We've got the ball back. We have sustained the first big mistake of the day. We've been able to overcome that. We did make the first big mistake, but live to tell about it. So 14-7, getting ready to roll here. And, and like all of you, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, here we go. We've got a chance now to go make some big things happen on offense and maybe get to uh, – Maybe get into the locker room with a two-score lead. We're complete the Gibby for six. We're complete the Farad for no gain. And that was one where Javante Payton completely missed a block there. We make a block there. It's going to be a first down at the very least. We call timeout. Kylan rushes for a loss of seven. Then we punt. Now, on that particular play, we I think Tommy probably should have kept right there. That They were all, to me, it just seemed like a bad read to me. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how it looked. All right, so we, we don't do anything there offensively. We, we only take two or three off the clock. We have to punt the ball back. They get it their own 37. Cunningham rushes for a loss of two, then Hawkins for 12, then complete the Atwell for 14. We get the big sack there by Kobe Jones, and you're thinking, okay, maybe we can get out of here without getting up any points. Wrong. Then they get some big uh, – they complete the Atwell for four yards, and then uh, they get a timeout, complete the Atwell again for 16. And I really thought that was a huge play in the ball game because we went from – them being on the edge of field goal range to being very much in field goal range. Kobe Jones then gets another big sack. Thought he had a great game. Uh, Willie Gay makes a big tackle after Cunningham is loose, but it's second and seven at the 30, and then we get called for offsides, gives them uh, a first down. Then they're incomplete. They kick the field goal. It really felt like right then, as bad as things had gone, the defense had played well enough to win the football game. And that's one of the things, like, I've read some of the comments on the message boards and uh, social media. But I think all things considered, when you begin to look at the fact that you're playing most of this game with second and third team players, Errol Thompson goes out of the ballgame earlier. Let's just kind of run the numbers here, okay? Fletcher Adams not playing, but he hadn't played in a while. Jaden Crumberty not playing, which meant Nathan Pickering had to play a little bit more. And I thought Pickering played pretty well. Uh, linebackers, you got Willie Gay playing the mic, and you're having to play uh, – Nathaniel Watson, a lot more. He saw his most extensive action of his Mississippi State career. Tim Washington is a guy that uh, has played well for Mississippi State, never been a star, been a solid contributor, but you're having to depend on him, and he gets banged up and kind of works through some injuries much of the ball game. But the state secondary was decimated. Decimated by early declarations for the uh, the, the bowl game, uh, for the draft, and, and injuries. And some of those guys have played some, some snaps. I'm not trying to say that we, we're rushing high school kids out there for the first time. But there was really no depth in the secondary, and it showed. But despite all of that, I thought the defense played winning football in the second half. I don't think they got enough help from the offense. And, yes, it's 14-10, to 10, as I mentioned to you guys, too. Coming out of the half, it really felt like Louisville had more juice, and, man, did they show. They come out that opening drive. They go right down the field and, and really, you know, ate up almost six minutes of time. They're doing it on the ground. They come out, and they're kind of imposing their will. 
Hawkins goes for a loss of four. Then uh, then they rush for five. You're complete to Atwell for 25. And I told you guys for a week, we don't have anybody who can cover him. Hawkins rushes for 12. We get another sack there. Aaron Brule with a sack on Cunningham. Hawkins rushed for three. Then Cunningham gets loose for 23 yards all the way down to the state 19. Uh, we get another. We get him for a, a gain of one. Hawkins for three. Then we get another big sack there. And we talked about last week on the show, they have struggled to protect the passer. We were able to get into the backfield a lot with regularity and pressure the quarterback. But what happened is when he did get outside and we couldn't get him on the ground, he broke containment made us, and really made us pay for it. But then they missed the field goal. 14-10, we've sustained again that big opening punch. Now let's settle in and go make a play. We didn't do that. Uh, Nick Gibson rushes for two. Tommy Stevens sacked for a 10-yard loss. Tommy Stevens completed Stephen Goody for eight yards. You know, one of the things, and I mentioned this on a Gene Spades message boards earlier this morning, one of the things about Tommy Stevens, and I'm not going to be hypercritical, but I'm going to give you an accurate assessment. I just don't think this is a guy that feels pressure. I don't. What I mean by that is, is when, when he has the opportunity to work through his pre-snap read and see where the blitzers are coming from, I just don't think he picks it up. I don't. I mean, he was susceptible to the cornerback blitz the entire season. UL Lafayette, if you remember, we had a chance to go make a decisive drive early in that ball game and kind of put our foot on their throats, and we fumbled the football because Tommy gets drilled and he admitted himself that he saw it, did not adjust the protection. It was his mistake. That continued to be an issue all year long. Against Southern Miss, I mean, Tommy Stevens gets hurt on a corner blitz play. Changes everything about the trajectory of our season and and his own uh, senior campaign. And then here we are in game 13. And Tommy Stevens, again, is getting pressure to the front side on a corner blitz. Now, sometimes they time it up and they surprise you. I think everybody in the stadium knew that blitz was coming, except for number seven. And I don't understand why we didn't recognize that. And so, to me, that speaks to a bigger problem. How in game 13 can we be making the same mistakes we're making in game one or game two or game three? 13 games into the season, we either lack the ability to coach this kid up to understand what is taking place, or he lacks the ability to absorb what he's being taught. But either way, that is a failure in preparation. So we punt the football. They come right down and score. Cunningham incomplete. Hawkins runs for no gain. All of a sudden, we're third and 10. We got a chance to get off the field. Again, defensively, we played pretty well. But in the second half, the third down conversion ratio was incredible for UL. Cunningham runs for 19 yards. Again, we had him. We had him. And then he breaks containment, makes us pay, runs for 19 yards. If you get that guy on the ground and make them punt there, it might be a different day and time. But that that proved to be a problem the rest of the half. Hawkins goes for no gains, incomplete to Dawkins. Then you catch Atwell for 12, and then you hit, again, there's a breakdown in the secondary. Breakdown in the secondary, you give up a touchdown, and Louisville had their first lead. As soon as the play happened, Marcus Murphy turns to Jarion Jones and starts complaining. And apparently Jarion's the one that had the bust. That's going to be freshman. You know, and people say, well, they're not they're not still freshmen at this point. No, they're freshmen. Okay, they're still freshmen. Marcus Murphy and Jerrion Jones both go with the inside receiver. Jones doesn't take the outside guy. He scores with ease. Now it's 17-14. You're thinking, okay, let's get going, guys. Let's kind of get woken up here and be ready to roll. 
Tommy Stevens completed Javante Payton for 12 yards. And listen, we're going to need Payton to have a big year next year. Tommy Stevens goes for a one, then we're sacked for 13. And now all of a sudden, we're in a very predictable down in distance. You know, we're going to third and 22. We're going to have to throw the football. We're going to have to either run the, the draw play or the screen or something. But, you know, we're, we're down in the ball game, And I, I don't disagree with having an aggressive play call here, despite the fact it's third and 22. It blew up in our face, though. Tommy gets loose, tries to run, and then the ball is fumbled and returned for a touchdown. By con pass. Got Mississippi State recruited. And at this point, 24-14, in my mind, the game was over. Because we had this unbelievable shell-shocked look on our face. As if we expected them to just kind of stop. We expected them to give us the football game. It's 24-14. We had absolutely no lift whatsoever on that sidelines. There was nothing good happening. There was nobody... It was the, the, all the, the juice boy stuff. All that was gone. They might as well have been in the stands. There was no life on the Mississippi State sidelines. Again, that speaks to a bigger issue for me. It's a cultural issue. You know, when I think about when Dak Prescott was here, when these kind of things happened, there was still this undying belief that we would find a way to win the football game. We would find a way to come back. And a lot of that was from... Dak. Dak himself, whether it be in preseason conditioning or in the 707 drills or whatever, there was an undenying ability for Dak Prescott to lead his football team. When I think about last year's team, you know, we had some real leaders on the team last year. We had a disconnect between the team offensively and the, and the staff we had and, and our personnel. But you had guys like John Abram. You had guys like Gary Green. You had guys that uh, would go get things done. You had guys that would lead the team. They didn't need the coaches to get them up. They were self-motivated. They understood that there was a tra tradition at Mississippi State. They were a part of that. There was a culture at Mississippi State of winning. And so even when things got slim, we kept fighting. I remember getting our, our tails whipped unbelievably at Auburn in 2017. But I remember those kids having some pride. I remember late in that ball game, we're still out there playing hard, trying to make things happen. I remember going over to Alabama last year, and despite the fact that that game was all but determined, late in the ball game as Alabama tried to score late, Jeffrey Simmons, Willie Gay, and those guys stepped up and said, no, what? No, you're done scoring today. We didn't have that this year. And again, I think that speaks to a bigger problem. Mississippi State gets the football back, drive starts, Tommy Stevens goes for a loss of one. Colin Hill rushes for two yards. And again, Colin's doing all he can do. I, I, I don't have, I, I, there's nothing that I can fault Colin Hill for. He had some teammates elected not to play in the ball game. It's 100% their decision. I understand it. I can't say I always approve of it, but I understand it. Everybody has to do its best for them. Colin Hill came back wanting to get the record, did not even get close. Guy was a little bit banged up. But listen, my hat is off to Colin Hill. Respect him. I know he's kind of talked about he might come back to school. I hope he does. Hope he does. I think that that, that's, that handles a lot of issues next year if Colin comes back. Tommy Stevens and incomplete to Dante Jones. I thought Dante should have made the catch. That's one thing we talked about a lot, too, with tight ends this year. we do got to use the tight ends more. We used them a lot last night, and, we, and the tight ends contributed some drops, too. We didn't, they, the tight ends didn't play great. We punt the football again, and now you know we get, we're into the, the, the final minutes of the uh, third quarter. It's a 24-14 ball game. It felt like it was 44-14. to 
That's how it felt in the stadium. I don't know how it looked on television. But it was miserable. It was miserable when I saw it. You're thinking, okay, we've got to have something happen. We need a pick six. We need something to give us life. We didn't have it. Cunningham goes for two, complete the Atwell for 24 yards. Again, we have nobody that can run with that kid. And they do a good job getting him in space. It's not just about speed and quickness. They scheme to get the ball in the hands of their playmakers really, really well. Really, really well. And then we get Hall for a loss of one. So now we're into the fourth quarter. It's a first and 10 in our 39 ball game. And it just, it just kind of felt like, you know what? We've got to do anything here but give up a touchdown. That's exactly what we did. Cunningham runs for three, complete to Marshall for 29, complete to Ford for eight. It's 31-14. So we're down 17 points to a 7-5 Louisville team in a game that we were favored against a team that can't stop the run. And it's a three-possession game on our first drive of the fourth quarter. Well, at this point, you know, we have to kind of throw the offensive game plan out of the window and just kind of go, you know, you got to go no huddle. You got to run four-minute offense. We responded. Tommy Stevens incomplete to Farad Green. I believe that was a drop. Nick Gibson goes for seven. Nick Gibson goes for three. We got a first down. Tommy Stevens runs for four. Then we're incomplete to Dante again. So I think that's the ball we should have caught. Complete to Farad Green for seven. Complete to Osiris Mitchell for 23. Good to see you again, O. Uh, complete to Spivey for 13. He nearly dropped him, but he didn't make a catch there. Tommy Stevens then completed Stephen Goody for 18 yards. The best run and catch of the Stephen Guidry era. I know people say, well, Stevie had that long run against AM. He did, but this one was even better. An absolutely incredible catch, made two guys miss, and then runs to the end zone. Thought he did a great job. Where has that been uh, the past two years? So we're still mathematically in the game. 31 21. I thought you'd find it interesting to know that one of the first guys off the Mississippi State sidelines to uh, come and greet Stephen Goodry was uh, Garrett Schrader. Among the first. Didn't think his black eye looked so bad. Now, all of a sudden, we come in here, okay, it's 31-21. We have time in the ball game, but we can't mess around. we got to get a stop, get the ball back, give ourselves a chance to get back in it. Uh, Hawkins rushes for seven, runs for six, gets the first down. There's a loss of three. Kendall Jones in there making some plays in his final game. Cunningham incomplete. They rush for five, and then they punt. It's down at Mississippi State 11. We've got to put a drive together. We've got to get anything here. Okay, it's a 31-21 game. We at least got to get a field goal and, and make it a one-possession game. Cowan comes back in, runs for six, runs for five with the first down. Complete to Cowan for six. Then there's a penalty against them for a substitution infraction. It's first down again. It's back-to-back first downs. Okay, maybe some good things are happening. Cowan guns for no gain. Then all of a sudden we're complete to Gidry again for 13. First down out towards midfield. Incomplete to Nick Gibson. Rush for no gain again. Complete to Gibson for six. Now it's fourth and four. Fourth and four. Right at four minutes left. we got to make a play here. We don't make a play. We're incomplete to Cowan. Uh, they're in our face there on fourth and four. You know, we can always argue about the play calls, but the bottom line is every play that is designed to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers, we failed to do that. Well, then they go right down and score because at this point we had quit. We had quit, which speaks to a bigger problem. Hawkins runs for five. Timeout Mississippi State, then he rushes for 24, rushes for two, complete to Ford for, for, for 12. And I and I told you guys all week, Marshawn Ford impressed me. Great pass catching tight end. They really utilized him. Cunningham runs for four, and then Hawkins runs for five. It's a touchdown. It's a 38-21 ball game. So, again, 
we're down 17 points. We're about two minutes left to go in a ball game to a 75 Louisville team that, if I'm not mistaken, really had only beaten one quality team, and that was Wake Forest. And so at this point, I'll be honest with you guys, I went ahead and put my camera up. I went onto the media room, put my camera up, went and got my video camera, got ready for post game. Because uh, I had had enough. I had seen enough. There was not going to be a celebration. There was not going to be a big highlight. There was not going to be this defining moment that uh, captured our Music City Bowl experience. And I went back out there, and then I see Tommy Stevens get sacked for a loss of seven yards. Then Tommy runs for 22. Then he's complete to Giddy for 20. Complete to Farad for 16. And complete to Farad. Complete to Dedrick for 11. And then a touchdown to Osiris Mitchell. And so Tommy Stevens' last drive as a Mississippi State Bulldog ends pretty much as his first one did with a touchdown pass to Cyrus Mitchell uh, to the right corner of the end zone. Said last week that I thought Osiris would have a bigger game just because Tommy was going to be the quarterback, just because they seem to have some chemistry. We do the onside kick. We don't get it. We lose 38-28. The, the score is not indicative of how bad Mississippi State got beat. It's not. It's not indicative. Louisville was the better team. I don't know that Louisville had more talent than Mississippi State. I think Louisville simply used their talent better than Mississippi State. We, and that's one of the things, and I think many of you will probably agree with me, that is one of the things that is so frustrating for me is if something is not working, we're pretty stubborn about it. You know, we don't just think, okay, well, listen, Kywan Hill is our best playmaker, and we're having trouble blocking that Auburn front. We're having trouble creating a running room for him against Tennessee. We're having trouble getting running lanes open against the University of Alabama. So are we just not going to utilize Colin Hill? I mean, do we be, are we just going to give him the day off? No. you got to get him out in the pass pattern. you got to find a way to give him the football in space. You, you can't not utilize one of your best offensive weapons just because of the fact that your offensive line is having a little struggle. And I thought that, that's, that was a consistent theme throughout the year. Just now, listen. To to be fair, Colin was was banged up after that. He he hurt his ankle, and uh, you know I'm not I'm not being critical of Colin Hill at all. I think he was underutilized, and, and people can kind of snicker and say, "Well, Steve, he was the SEC's leading rusher." That's true, but I think what how much more of an impact could he have had had we utilized him in other ways? When the running game wasn't there, because if you look with the Colin Hill numbers this year, they've been feast or famine. And I don't think any of those have been on him. I think every time that he has struggled in ball games, it's because we have struggled to put him in a position to be successful. I think we have struggled with our play calling. I think we have been very stubborn at times. And so well, let's just keep running it. You know, sooner or later he'll figure it out. I think you've got to keep defenses guessing. I think, you know what, you want to go out there and make it run that same fo- uh, formation and run a different play out of it? Let them bite underneath and then hit him on the, on the wheel ride or something? You've got to find a way to get the ball in your plans and your playmaker's hands. And that's what I thought Scott Siderfield did a great job of doing. It's not like they had somebody new come in and beat us. The same guys that you and I discussed with on this show, we talked about Marshawn Ford, the tight end. He had two touchdowns. We talked about Atwell. He absolutely killed us. We talked about Hawkins. He killed us. It's not like they had that they put in a bunch of new wrinkles. The same people that carried them the entire year, the same people that beat Mississippi State. Hawkins runs for 105 yards. Cunningham goes for 81. Cunningham 16 or 23 for a couple of touchdowns. Now, he was sacked four times. I think if I had told you ahead of time, hey, we're going to sack the quarterback four times, 
you'd feel like, oh, we got a chance to win the ball game. Atwell, nine catches, 147 yards. Marshawn Ford, three catches, 53 yards, two touchdowns. Those are the names that we talked about on the show. And, guys, I'm not a college football coach. But I'm a guy that can watch a little film. I, I, can, I can watch the game just like all of you and say, you know what, we need to cover number one. We need to find a way to stop that option game. We've got to be able to get backers on the outside and be able to contain that option game. Because the Hawkins kid is very good on edges. But we weren't able to do it. Look at the Mississippi State numbers. Tommy Stevens, 17 carries for a net of 71. Nick Gibson, eight carries, 54 yards. Pretty apparent he should have had carried more load. But I understand we're trying to get Kyle going. I get it. I understand. Witherspoon, four carries, 17 yards. I like to look at that kid. He's got to put some weight on, though. Kyle Hill, three yards on seven carries. And, again, he's injured. But some of the, we didn't help him with our play calling. Uh, Tommy Stevens, 17 and 26 for 221 yards and two touchdowns. If I had told you before the ball game that would be his stat line, you'd probably think we'd win the game. Stephen Gidry, six grabs, 76 yards and a touchdown. For Rod Green, three catches, 23 yards. Osiris Mitchell, pair of grabs, 47 yards and a touchdown. Tucker Day might have been the hero. Five punts of the a net average of 43 with a long of 56, one inside the 20. Look at the defensive numbers here. They're not pretty, but you know somebody had to make the tackle. Willie Gay, 11 tackles, a forced fumble, one tackle for loss. Marcus Murphy, 10 tackles. And it's a thing you go back and you look, we talk about the, the Tudor Gate 10. Here we are. Two of the guys involved in are allegedly involved in that mess. 21 tackles combined. Kobe Jones, big ball game for him. Four total tackles, three and a half for a loss. Excited about his future. A couple sacks. He's going to have to be a big time player for Mississippi State next year. Didn't play well in the secondary. We knew that was going to be an issue. We absolutely did. Knew it was going to be an issue, and it was. Probably bigger than we expected. Because I think I think they surprised his son with their ability to throw the football. And to be fair to the defense, I really thought, you know, playing mainly second and third team guys, you know, they, they played well enough to win. They just wore down. They did not get near enough help from the offense. And the, the offense is not existent in that third quarter. There was a time, I guess, we had 12 yards offensively. You know, we didn't do anything. And that's the thing. Football's a game of adjustments. And people say, well, we didn't make any adjustments. Well, I don't, I don't know if we didn't make adjustments or not. But what I do know is is that when they came out in that third quarter, they were much better prepared to play than we were. And it showed. That was the, That's the quarter that won the ball game, not the first quarter. And a lot of times we won the first quarter because we were simply the better team. But Scott Satterfield and his group did a great job. And they, they really, really gave us trouble. And we aided in our own demise. But the bottom line is Louisville won the football game. We didn't lose the football game. They beat us. And what bothers me the most about that is that we had plenty of time to prepare. And, uh, you know, hey, Dad and I and uh, Garrick and other guys were talking last night. Kind of just happened upon the stat. Mississippi State 0-5 when Joe Moorhead has multiple weeks to prepare for an opponent. 0-5. How does that happen? You would think at some point you just get lucky. I mean, some, you get by week before LSU. Okay, I get it. It's tough to go win in Tiger Stadium, and we still should have won the ball game. We go down there, and that's when Nick had that awful game, had four interceptions. We get a bye week before Alabama this year. Okay, listen, I don't expect them to go beat Alabama. But you had two bowl games against teams you were favored against. You're a road favorite at Tennessee. You don't win any of those games. Th that is about preparation and coaching. 
there's no other way to spend that. There's no way you would go, you're going to, you should regress after a bye week. And rather than have new wrinkles or, you know, surprise plays or gadget plays, we look worse rather than better. That's coaching. There's no other way to explain that away. Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of the show, very happy with them. Miss Kathy Brown, Stan the Man, Stan Ray, the lovely, talented Susie, who gets more lovelier by the day. They're happy to help you when you're in town. You go by and find that maroon and white merchandise you're looking for. You can find items for your, your home, your RV, your office, your pets, whatever you want. You can find it right there. If they don't have it, they'll get it for you. And if you can't make it to town, you can visit them on the World Wide Web at college, pardon me, campusbookmark.net. By being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase to pay. It's BSR. That stands for beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmark.net, promo code BSR. So let me get into basketball real quickly, then I'm going to get into some football stuff to, to kind of close up the show. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on basketball. Uh, as you guys are aware, for those of you that didn't make trip to Nashville, uh, Mississippi State men struggled early and then crushed Kent State, and Kent State is a winning team. Kent State now 10-3 and three on the year. State did a good job. Reggie Perry with a career night. Reggie Perry, 8 of 16 from the floor. 10 of 14 from the line, big guy. Go get it done. 17 rebounds, 26 points. That That's the kind of night you need from an all-SEC player of the year type candidate. Three assists, zero turnovers, even picks up a steal, and only played 27 minutes. That's getting it done. Abdullah Du continues to be uh, one of these guys that uh, contributes in ways that doesn't always fall at the box score. But Adu, you know, pitches in seven rebounds, four points, uh, turnover, block, and a steal. But again, a guy that's out there making things happen. Nick Weatherspoon still kind of getting up to speed. Did a good job from the line. Two of five from the floor, six of six from the line. Pulls down three rebounds, scores 10 points, a couple steals, four assists, three turnovers. He will get better. We absolutely know what he is capable of doing. Robert Woodard with a solid game, 11 points, pair of rebounds. Not, got to see those numbers go up a little bit on the glass. But when you've got Reggie getting 17, I'm sure he's taking some away from Robert. Uh, Tyson Carter, eight points. Uh, again, Tyson, I think as Tyson, as Nick begins to improve and people are going to have to respect his ability to drive to the rack, things are going to open up for Tyson. DJ Stewart, 12 points off the bench. And Iverson Molinar with 16. Five of five from the floor, two of two from three-point line, four of five from the free throw line, pulls down three rebounds. And again, 26 points, four assists, uh, and just the one turnover. That's only in 16 minutes of action. So, again, that's that's the whole deal about this uh, – the silver lining in the Nick Witherspoon thing is the, the playing time that you've been able to get for Iverson Molinar. So, again, Mississippi State wins the ball game uh, pretty convincingly. You know, uh, State dominates the paint, 46-36, 21 points off turnovers, 15 second-chance points, and, and 37 from the bench. And, man, that, that's the stat of the night. A 96-68 win over a 10-win team, a Kent State Golden Flashes team, that uh, will have an opportunity to make the NCAA tournament. The, uh, the men return to action uh, this Saturday, January 4th, against Auburn. So we're going to have basketball at Humphrey Coliseum twice this week on Thursday and on Friday. Uh, again, the men play Auburn 3.30 on Saturday. Hope you'll come uh, and spend some time with us. And then on uh, Thursday, the Mississippi State women 
will open up their SEC slate uh, against the University of Florida. That's a 7-10 tip Thursday night, Humphrey Coliseum. Ladies, 89-50 winners over Little Rock uh, of Arkansas back on the, on the weekend. Uh, so the ladies, again, 12-2 and two overall. And since losing a couple of all games, remember they lost two in a row. They've won four in a row. None of those games have been close. UL kept it close for a while, and then State wins by 16. They beat South Florida by 25. They take down Virginia by 13 out in Vegas, and then 89-50 winners over Little Rock. So now it's SEC play. It's, the games matter a lot more now. The State men have a lot more work to do, but the ladies need to get off to a good start. And uh, yeah, the, the bottom line is this is when you earn it. Simple as that. So uh, let's get into a couple of things football-related-wise. Uh, you guys are shareholders in the same pro- program that I am. You know, we are all invested in Mississippi State in one form or another. There are many of us that maybe have a different take, but we all want Mississippi State to win. We have fans from all walks of life. We have fans. We have fans that you know they they retire and they buy an RV and they follow Mississippi State around the country to watch them play. I don't know if there's a better retirement than that, to be honest with you. I think that it's wonderful. And then we have other fans that never get to come to a game, whether it be geography or finances or whatever. But we need every fan that we can get from Mississippi State. We're not a big fan base. We're a proud fan base. Uh, we're also sometimes a divisive fan base. But I suspect that's the case everywhere. But Mississippi State fans from all walks of life deserve better than what you have received this year from Mississippi State football. Yes, the Tudor Gate 10 situation, very substantial, probably more so than many of us, including myself, wanted to uh, to admit early on. It was substantial. The main thing is the depth issue of it. And so here's one of the things in a different take, I guess, that, I'll, that maybe I'll, I'll share with you guys. I had some time to kind of reflect yesterday. There have been so many people that have talked about the Tudor Gate 10 and who's responsible and and where the accountability should lie. We've talked about the Willie Gay and the Garrett Schrader fight, and both of those guys are responsible. I, I get a little tired of people suggesting that Willie Gay attacked somebody, and then other people have tried to say that Garrett Schrader used some colorful language. Listen, most of that stuff's completely inaccurate. But I think it all speaks to a bigger issue. There is a cultural problem at Mississippi State. I shared this on the Gene Spage message boards earlier today. And so I got to thinking about this yesterday. When you have plenty of time to ride home, you have plenty of time to think, kind of take it all in. I played football for Coach Tom Bowser at Columbia High School. Didn't play long. Wasn't very talented. I was undersized and slow. I don't know if I was tough enough to, to really contribute for Coach Bowser. But I know this. I knew that there was something bigger than me. I knew when I put on that blue and gold jersey, and I still take a lot of pride in that. Matter of fact, I still have my Columbia High School soccer jersey. I kept it. I guess at some point I should probably pay them for it. But uh, but I took a lot of pride in wearing my school colors. And when I was a freshman on the football team, we were playing the 10th grade in a scrimmage, and I came free on a blitz and I hit the quarterback. Made a big play. And I heard everybody yelling and shouting. I thought everybody was happy for me. They weren't. They weren't happy for me. All the coaches were yelling at me. And all of a sudden, Coach Tom Bowser walks up and he grabs my face mask. And he looked at me and he says, son, don't you ever hit my quarterback. I learned a valuable lesson that day. I was just a freshman, but I learned 
there's bigger things than me making a play. If I go out there and hit Calvin Newsom, I hit him low, the next thing you know, he you know turns an ankle, hurts a, a knee, breaks a finger, then Mississippi State or, pardon me, Columbia High School football is going to suffer. Because there's part of that that happens in practice. But I was part of a culture, and I understood what was expected of me, that everyone was supposed to protect Columbia High School athletics. If you put on the, the uniform, you were part of a covenant between a coach, a school, and a team that I am going to put the team first. We have had some players and some coaches and some people involved in Mississippi State that have not put the team first. To me, that is symptomatic of a cultural issue. Why would anyone think that it is acceptable at Mississippi State in this culture to do something that harms the integrity and the perception and the culture of Mississippi State football? We must cradle that like an infant itself. Everybody involved with Mississippi State football has to understand there is something bigger than you. As I said, when we detailed out the uh, Tudor Gate sanctions, that these individuals, and they are still ours, they, we are still family, they are still Bulldogs, and I still hope the best for every one of them. Each of them made a huge error in judgment, and they put their needs and or wants ahead of Mississippi State football. And everybody invested in Mississippi State football had to pick up the tab for that mistake. One of the things that I get down to when we talk about, and to be honest with you, I'm not overly concerned about where you come down in the Garrett Schrader, Willie Gay fiasco. I mean, that everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I think the bigger issue is, is that why would either of those individuals think that it would be acceptable to behave that way on the practice field in one of the final bowl practices of the season? To me, that is symptomatic of a cultural issue at Mississippi State. The two guys would think, hey, it's okay for me to settle a personal beef. Forget the team. This is about me. And it is very selfish. And again, it is a mistake. But to me, it is a symptom of a bigger problem. I know this. When I was at Columbia High School, and when Coach Tom Bowser told me, don't you ever hit my quarterback, I never hit the quarterback again. Some of that was because of my inability. But other times it was because I had been taught to understand that the quarterback, and more importantly, that Columbia High School football was more important than me making a play in practice. That's not to say that, you know, that we can't go out and have good practice reps. But there has to be an understanding that there is something bigger Absolutely something bigger for everybody involved. You have to see it that way. If you don't see it that way, you shouldn't be playing the game. There has to be massive change at Mississippi State when it comes to our football program. Massive change. Some people have said, well, you know, Steve, we got to change strength and conditioning coach. And that's true. we got to change special teams play. That's true. I don't disagree with any of that. Steve, we've got to do something about our play call. And, you know, I, and I kind of laugh at that because I never know what play is being called. There are times I'll think to myself, you know, I probably would have thrown football there. I don't know enough about our offense to be able to say if we called the right play or not because I don't know what play was called. But here's what I know is we hired Jim Moorhead to run an innovative offense. We have not been innovative offensively in two years. 
Does that mean that we need to hire an offensive coordinator? Yep. Possibly. But I do know this. I do know we have to have massive change. We can't have peripheral change just to quiet a few voices on social media. We have a cultural problem at Mississippi State. If that means that we've got to change coaches, then so be it. Because no coach, player, staffer, administrator, athletic director, president, fan, nobody is bigger than Mississippi State. Nobody. We cannot sacrifice what we have built at Mississippi State, the traditions that we have created, and the expectations that we have, worrying about outside perceptions. We have to do what is best for Mississippi State. And if that means that Mississippi State has to do something that is nearly unprecedented and make a coaching change at this point of the year after a bowl game, then that's what you have to do. These are decisions that I'm glad that I am not entrusted to make. I am simply a person behind a microphone that has the ability to write an article every now and again and share my thoughts and help tell the Mississippi State story. But this chapter in the Mississippi State story this year has been flawed from beginning to end. Nobody, and I mean nobody, is happy with the results of this football season. And I'm sure Joe Moorhead will agree he is not happy with the results of our football team. But one of the things that really struck me yesterday is I'm sitting in a post-game press conference. I'm frustrated like the rest of you, very, very disappointed in the outcome of the ball game. That was the difference in us having a winning season and a losing season. And I hear Joe get up there and say, you know, I don't want this to, uh, you know, to distract people from the positives that are happening in our program. And I just began to think to myself, I, I just don't know if Joe gets it. I just don't know. And maybe that's how you feel inside. But we just posted a losing record. You know, in 2018, we had the number one defense in America. We gifted an offensive guru the number one defense in America, and we lost five football games. We're the number one defense in America, getting to short field, getting the time of possession, and we lost five football games. Yeah, and we all tried to make light of it. We say, well, you know, listen, we all love Nick, and Nick's a run-first run quarterback, not the best fit for the offense. And so we, you know, we did our best to try to work around him, you know, around the, the fact that he wasn't the best fit for the Joe Moorhead offense. But what's so funny is this year we're running you – know, if we'd had Nick Fitzgerald this year, we'd probably win eight nine ball games, right? Because we ran a lot of the same elements. It's not like this year has been night and day different. The games that we've won have been games that we have been very successful with the quarterback run. And so when I begin to think about these things, and I think, okay, this year, okay, you don't have the number one defense, but you've got your quarterback. You've got your guy, Tommy Stevens. And, yes, he had some injuries. Yes, he had some deficiencies. But this is your guy. And you've essentially created a bit of a quarterback controversy with a fan favorite with Keaton Thompson. I believed in the spring, and if you guys listen to the show, you will recall this. I did not. I was not in favor of going out and, and getting a grad transfer quarterback. I mean, if we'd gotten Kelly Bryant, maybe that makes some sense to me. But after watching Keaton Thompson in practice, I, I thought it was pretty evident that he was ahead of the other quarterbacks. He was ahead of Garrett Schrader. He was ahead of Jalen Maiden. And no, it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but to me, I thought Keaton was clearly the best guy after the spring. I didn't think that we were going to be able to run an air raid offense with Keaton. 
I thought we would pretty much, if we stuck with Keaton, we probably would have pretty much more of the same than what we had last year. Unless we changed our play call and our game planning. And so with that in mind, I guess you'd say, okay, well, listen, if this is the guy that's not capable of running our offense, then we got to get somebody that can. And then we basically run an offense, for the most part, that Keaton could have done. And so that was the issue all summer. And then we had the Tudor Gate stuff dropped in our lap. And listen, we, we were aware of it. We, we heard whispers of it. We tried very, very hard to get uh, you guys some answers. Couldn't get them. And so you've got that in and of itself with some of your best players inactive for much of your season. And then you have the injuries. But injuries are part of football. You know, it's your job as coaches to kind of get the second team guys ready to go. But every bit of this, I think, is uh, has kind of come to a, a, a merciful end. This is not a season that I think anybody's going to look back and say, man, what a great year we had. I don't think anybody feels that way. But it is apparent to me that we are moving in the wrong direction. And I and what's it's not so much what I see on the field. It's what I feel in and around the program. Where there is a cultural problem, Mississippi State. It's difficult to change culture. You can win a ball game. You can go exploit an offensive or defensive team's weaknesses because you can find a way to call plays that exploit those weaknesses. And even though that's been a challenge at times this year, you can look good one Saturday. But culture is what wins ball games in third quarters like it did for Louisville yesterday. The culture at Louisville is clearly better than it is at Mississippi State because when those kids were down 14 nothing and nothing was going right for them, they could have easily said, you know what, it's just not our day. And, like, hey, guys, we won three games last year, okay? At least we made it back to a bowl game. We're all young guys. We'll be back and play again next year and be better. Maybe we go beat Florida State. They could have easily done that, but they didn't. They battled back. They ran a gimmick play, and they got some juice. Their fans took over, and the next thing you know, they, they, they steal a field goal late in the half. It's 14-10. They have all the momentum coming in and all the momentum coming out. That is a cultural issue. They believe they would win the football game. I don't know that we believed it. And that's one of the things, too, when I go back and, again, think about the whole Dak Prescott era. There was always an undeniable belief by teams, coaches, staffers, and fans that we could compete against any team in America. We felt like no matter who they lined up and went, we had our guys, and our guys were good enough to play with your guys. We might not beat you, but you're not going to blow us out. You go back and look at those 2014, 2015 years, we were in the games. There were some times Alabama victimized us. They victimized a lot of people. But we had a cultural issue then of a positive nature. We believed we could beat anybody in America. Now what I see from our fan base is many of our fans now expect to lose every game. You guys know how bad Arkansas was this year in football. The week heading to Fayetteville, the message boards and social media were, were just filled with people that expected us to go to Fayetteville and lose the football game. It's, and this is an awful program. We talk about culture. The culture at Arkansas is absolutely rotten. But we expected to lose the ball game. We probably could have showed up and played our backups and won the ball game. But, we, but instead, we go up there and blow them out. But I think, that, again, that is symptomatic of our problems. 
is that we no longer have the belief that we're going to go win football games. And I think John Cohen and, and Dr. Mark Keenum have some real soul searching to do to decide what is best for Mississippi State football. Because on our current track, I don't know that many of our fans have a lot of confidence in the direction that we're headed. My hope is that'll change. But there has to be massive change at Mississippi State, and it must start today. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. I appreciate your support of the Boneyard this year. And, uh, again, I'll be a three-day-a-week show the year-round. That's what I do. I don't take vacation from this. And uh, we'll get, all, we'll have, all we'll have is men's and women's basketball for the next six weeks. And Mississippi State uh, baseball will get cranked up February 15th. Looking forward to that. Bring your sweetheart out to Duty Noble Field and open the season with us as the Bulldogs take on Ride State. We'll have some recruiting news between now and February. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll kind of put that away for a while. We'll have a junior day, I guess, coming up early February. We'll get some things going. But I do expect, and go ahead and rest assured, there will be change at Mississippi State. How extensive that change is remains to be seen. But I believe right now that uh, there are some decisions being made to right the ship. And I think a lot of people, there are many people ready to throw their hats in, let me tell you. Uh, let me encourage you not to do that. Dr. Mark Keenum, Dr. John Cohen, two of the most competitive people that I know, they hear you. They see the same things you do. They know we've got to have a change in culture here at Mississippi State. You can rest assured in that. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.